The following podcast details the curious circumstances surrounding the disappearance of four persons on Cape Cod during the summer and fall of 2012. You're listening to Last Known Communication. Welcome back to Last Known Communication, the podcast where we explore the mysterious disappearances that happened on Cape Cod in the summer and fall of 2012. Today we will be discussing what is the second definitive case in the chronological order, the disappearance of Clive Augustine. I am Matt Gisby. I'm Peregrine. And I'm your host, Toby Riley. This case is a little bit more interesting because it has ciphers in it. Unlike the first one where Alicia had a failed phone call, that so a voicemail recording. Clive has a mysterious letter that he wrote, and there's a cipher in it. Is it typed or is it like handwritten? It's a handwritten letter. I have a typed transcription of it with me, but he oh. hand wrote it and mailed it to his sister. Written in blood. So spooky. Do you think Clive was into calligraphy? Oh, most definitely. He did have very nice handwriting. Really? But he did write in print. Ooh. No cursive Clive. No, no cursive Clive. Clive. No alliteration here. Print Clive. Well, he still sounds like but an it was, old person. But it was very, like, very neat. Yeah. So I guess maybe print makes it easier to write ciphers because then you can read it better. But who knows? Maybe you want your ciphers to be virtually unreadable. <laughs> I know that. I forget which World War it was, but there were a lot of ciphers. Probably World War II because everything interesting came from World War II. That's very true. Was it like the Code Talkers one? Something like that where there was like this code that was broken. I remember actually because I did a project on this, um, it was Midway and a lot of U.S. Navy bases were like decoding messages from the Japanese. Oh, and yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I figured I out that. about Midway. Whoa. They that. like, they like decoded a message too late, right? Something like that. But I know that they knew it was going to be Midway. I think it was Midway. Yeah. That uh, sounds right. Yeah. I don't retain World War II information. We, only that retain that. Right. we are also, like, not history experts. No. So I just talk I'm about... A, I'm not a war history expert. If you ask true. me about weird medicine from the 1800s, I'm your person. I can just tell you about this guy from 2012. Timeline begins on July 10th of 2012, so that's a couple weeks after Alicia like disappeared. Three? Like June 22nd, I feel like. I feel like I remember that day Yeah, she was Yeah, she was June 22nd. He is July 10th. So okay. there's, I don't, are there 30 days in June? I think there's 30 yes. days. 30 yeah. days has September, April, June, yes. So that's 18 days since Eight. Alicia okay. disappeared. A little less than three weeks. I'm um, really bad at math. <laughs> Me too. I had to think about that too hard for like, because even, especially 10 is like an even number. Anyways, on July 10th, Clive was seen by his neighbor, James Sheffield, like late in the afternoon. There's no specific timestamp because clearly it's just like circumstantial. It's not like I clocked out of work. It's, I was in my front yard and I saw my neighbor outside and he was just walking. And I guess they had a very short conversation where Clive noted that he was coming back from the post office. So he had just gone to mail something and he came home and saw his neighbor, and they talked about really just, you know, the typical stuff. It's like, oh, how's your life? Like, how are you doing? And then, like, oh, I, I need to mow the lawn. I don't know. Clearly, this is not, like, a very important conversation, so they don't have, like, a lot of it. But just, you know, neighborly talk, things you talk about with your neighbors. And Clive did not mention anything about a plan to go anywhere for any amount of time. He didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going away. I have a trip. He just, essentially, everything was normal, and he went back into his house. And then nobody saw him again. 
You know, that's interesting because I live in a neighborhood full of old people. I mean that in the most affectionate way. They are just older than me and there are no children. There are no children in my neighborhood except for like me and like one other kid who's a year older than me. Anyways, my next door neighbors, I feel like I've mentioned this in a recent conversation. I can't remember if it was here, but they go on trips for a while because their kids are all grown up, blah, blah, blah. And so they always ask us like, hey, can you get like our mail? Hey, can you take care of the bonsai trees in the greenhouse? And we're like, sure. And so I took that as an invitation to like see the inside of their house. It's really cool. They have a bunch of masks as one of them does theater but like you mentioned that to your neighbors if you want them to take care of that or you yeah, mentioned it to no a friend like, yeah there's no like oh because clearly it's not like uh when you oftentimes when some people go away for a while they're hol- they'll help their mail so then they can just come get all of mm-hmm. it at once but like clearly he didn't do that he didn't ask his neighbor if he could pick up his mail because it would still be showing up in his mailbox it was just like a everything's fine and i'm gonna go inside and maybe i'll see you tomorrow maybe i won't because you're just my neighbor and i see you in passing and then he went back inside and clive did live alone he was in his, like, mid-20s. He no pets? Alone. No pets. It was just him in that house, which makes things a little bit difficult. Ah, but a bachelor. Bachelor in Yarmouth or something. Ooh, that's the worst place to be a bachelor, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> Once again. I'm not a bachelor, but I am in Yarmouth. Yeah. Oh, wait, was this... This is Yarmouth now, right? This is Yarmouth. So, Alicia lived in Dennis. Clive lives in Yarmouth. Wow. I'm not saying, wow, like it's a great expanse of land, but it's, no. like, interesting... It's, it's a different, slightly different part of the Mid-Cape. Yeah, and also literally the next town over. Yeah. Next town over, 18 days later. So what's okay. happening after this conversation happened? So he went back inside, things happened, you know, maybe he went to sleep, maybe he didn't. Then on July 11th, which is clearly the day after, Clive fails to show up to work, which is noted by people who knew him as being out of character. He was, if he was going to be out of work, he'd like call in advance and he'd say, I'm not going to be in work today. And he didn't do that. He just didn't come to work. So it was concerning to see that. So his twin sister, Sage Augustine, went to his house to see if he was around. And because, so she had a key to his house because, like, here's my sister, I trust you, and you can come into my house even if I locked the door. And he had locked the door, so she had to use the key to get in, and she saw that he was nowhere. Do we know if there was, like, any scuffle in the house? Is that a report? It is a report, and it's reported that it was very much just like exactly how it would have been if he was there. Nothing's touched. There's no like, oh, the door is a little messed up or it's windows broken, so somebody must have climbed through. There's no signs of forced entry, no signs of even like a rushed leave, which I know sometimes they look at. It's not like an, oh, I have to go really quickly. It's almost just like, here's a hypothetical, like, oh, I'm just sitting on the couch enjoying my July day. And then he just got up and walked out of his house and locked the door behind him. It's like, what? Like a sim. Like a sim. <gasps> not a sim. Also, Clive had not mentioned anything to his sister about going anywhere or being someplace, which is another thing. He probably would have done that yeah. if it was some, like, I am going out of town. There yeah, just, just sibling things. Yeah, so she knew nothing. Just like, I'm going to go see if he's around because nobody's seen him, and then he wasn't around. I guess is there, like, an age gap between these two? Like, They're twins. They're, They're twins. twins. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then it was July 14th, so this is four days after his official last scene, but like three days after he was reported missing, where Sage receives a letter in the mail, and the return address is her brother's house, it's Clive's house. So, you know, that's like that thing you see it, and it's like, oh my god, what is this? But then you open it, and it's dated from the 10th. So he wrote the letter on July 10th, which was the last day he was seen. 
And then she received it four days later. Yeah, he mailed the letter that day. Yes, so he, for whatever reason, walked to the post office to mail the letter. He didn't put it in his mailbox, like, stick the little red flag up. He... Well, I guess maybe he didn't walk. He probably drove. Hitchhike. As one does in the town of Yarmouth. I guess that's notable. He made a point of going to the post office to, I guess, make sure they had the letter. It's like, here, I'm going to stand here and hand it to somebody, and then I will watch you take it from me instead of, I'm putting it in my mailbox and they'll find it. Which is usually what I would do if I was mailing a letter, which is not something I do very often. Like, you can just mail letters out of your mailbox. And yeah. They'll take um, them. Also, as someone who lives in Dennis and has not... Well, I've lived in both Yarmouth and Dennis. Fun fact! As someone who has forgotten where the post offices in Yarmouth. Where is that? I know there's an old one that I don't think they use it anymore. I just know that I walk the trails behind it sometimes. Yeah, I know there's that one, which the I The one I with think, the big I tree. Is, I think it the is big still tree. Functional. Yes. It might be. It just I never see people there or like the post office trucks. Yeah. Ma- mail I mean, trucks. Like, like 9 years ago. Yeah. There's a post office on um on 28, isn't there? Like by Walgreens? Yes, near I almost said the CVS. It might be a Walgreens now. Yeah, I remember it's, CVS. A, it's a Walgreens that might. I think it was a CVS at some point, but it's like the plaza, and I don't like Ryan family. Near the 7-Eleven there too. Yeah, it's like there's and a, the new Dollar Tree. There. Yes, there's a couple. I don't know. He went to one of them. I've only been in the post office once in my life that what? I can remember. I don't Same. go into post offices. Whenever I had to mail something, I used to do this thing. We would mail stickers to each other, and it was like a sticker club where it's like you just get cool stickers and send them to people. I think I did it with my cousins. That's a very you thing to do. Yeah, it checks out. My sticker club because I wasn't allowed to play video games until I was like 13. But you would just like put it in the mean, angry R2D2 looking thing. Is that the one that looks like a... The blue post boxes? Yes. R2-D2, is that the one that looks like them? Yes, kind of. Because B-8... BB-8's a big sphere. Okay, because I've only seen half of one Star Wars movie in my entire life. All I know is that Luke was a tiny little child, and I was like, haha. Baby. I don't know if Luke was ever a child. Like a young Anakin was a kid, but... Like a young man. Well, didn't we see, like, them get baby? Get baby? They hold appear on, as babies on. very briefly in the third prequel. Hold on. Get baby. I didn't know any other way to put it. Like, got milk? Uh, yeah. That's a slogan now. Get baby? Well, I mean, it, it. my brain did a little flip. I'll put went. that on a t-shirt and give it to the three of us. Yeah. How'd this tangent Oh, we were talking about the post office. I was going to say, the only time I've been to post office was to get my passport, but... Oh, I've been That's in really the... It. That might have been why I went. I feel like for some reason, post going to the post office is like an I'm with my grandparents thing. Oh, it definitely is. Because I know I've been to the post office with my parents to get my passport, but I've also been with my grandparents like four other times. You guys didn't visit every cemetery in Dennis and Yarmouth with your grandfather when you were a child? When I was nine years old, my grandfather filter. went, you're going to be the one to know the family tree. And I'm like, I am nine years old. I know Percy Jackson and horrible history. What do you want from me? My grandfather takes me to every cemetery in Dennis and Yarmouth and even on like the border of Brewster near Crow's Pasture. There's like a weird hidden cemetery up there. I had a clipboard and a piece of paper and had to write down their name and like the generation which they came. I'm like generation 13. All I remember is that there are two Barnabases and he got me a vanilla ice cream cone and then proceeded to bully me because I couldn't finish it fast enough and it was just dripping down my arm. The entire time we stood in a cemetery thinking about one of the people I'm related to who is lost in a shipwreck. Cape Cod history. <laughs> kind of related, but not related. I looked through my family tree book and surprise, real story by the way, 
One of my great, 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 great grandfathers died by falling into a vat of boiling water. I'm related to cannibal. I'm related to Aaron Burr very distantly. We all have fun family trees, but that's not the situation here because I don't think Clive Augustine was a cannibal who fell in a vat of boiling water after dueling with Aaron Burr. Yeah, I know, and I think the disappearance might have been the end of the Augustine bloodline. As oh, far as I know, really? his sister didn't have any kids. Wow. Where's his sister now? I don't know. I don't think she stayed on Cape Cod because, like, you know that thing? You're only sibling goes missing and then you move away from the place that you grew up in because all the memories haunt you. Yeah. So I think she moved like oh. west, but she's not like super like public. Like, I am the sister of someone who disappeared. She is still alive, but we're gonna read Clive Augustine's letter to his sister and then we'll talk about it. Did he write this the day before? He wrote it on the 10th, which is the last day he was seen. Okay. So we, nobody met. knows if like technically if he disappeared on the 10th or the 11th, but it's around Something that. like that. Very interesting. Sage. I'm so sorry. It was never up to me. I had to do it. I had to do it. There was nothing in avoidance. No other options. I'm sorry. And if I ever hurt you, I'm sorry for that too. It wasn't my fault. It's something else. It's always something else. Always has been something else. I can't explain it, so don't ask me to. I'll never answer. Don't look for me either. I'm writing this to tell you to stop looking for me. Knowing you, you've already reported everything, and you're all excessive in your concern. But I'm fine. I'm fine, and you don't have to look for me. Stop looking for me. I'm not coming back, even if you did find me. Which you won't. I promise I'm okay. There's just somewhere I have to be, and I have to be there forever. I can't leave. It's not up to me. It's out of my control. But trust that I am happy. It was never up to me at the start, but I'm glad it all found me. So don't come and ruin it like you want to. Don't look for me. That goes for everyone. No one come looking for me. I'm fine. I'm never coming back. I suppose I should apologize for that, but maybe bluntness is better. Just know that I'm happy, I'm safe, and I'm never going to see you again. I love you, Clive Augustine. And then we get into the postscript, which I think is what PS stands for. Yes. Yep. Awesome. I always read this part in the voice of the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Yes, because by the way, the entire postscript is in a reverse Atbash cipher. An Atbash cipher is take the alphabet and then you flip it in on itself. So a Z is an A or something, but a reverse Atbash cipher means all the words are written backwards as well. So oh, if you geez. look at it, you'll notice like the part that's some of it's in all caps and some of it's not. So the part that is in all caps, the letter at the end of a word will be capitalized because it's written backwards. It's more just tedious than difficult to decode it, but. Yeah. Um, wait, before we get into the postscript, I think he really wanted everybody to know that he did not want to be found. No. Postscript, I'm not even going to attempt reading it in the reverse. Oh, wait, reverse, I will. I will. Reverse Atbash cipher. Reverse Ashbash cipher. Atbash. A T B A S. Atbash. 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 Let, let me get a try and crack read at words it. that are backwards and also backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the guy who wrote the thing about like the giant kraken thing that was going to take over? HP Lovecraft. HP Lovecraft. That sounds like the Lovecraftian like chant thing. Thanks, I've been practicing. 
Really? That's so interesting. I only know the Lovecraftian chant because I listen to this band that includes it in a song, a regular like album, and then you get into it and it's like, yeah, and I'm like, what is going on? Just adds character. Okay, so the postscript after we get out of the Lovecraftian chant. Yeah, so the decoded postscript. The decoded thing is, please, please, I don't want to be here. Please come find me. Please help. Sage, please. Also, in all caps. Yes, so that part's in all caps. And then yes. the, the rest of it is not in all caps. I think he really wants people to find him. Maybe just the Change your mind so quickly? He seems very panicked. The force that brought me here can't read ciphers. The manufactured intelligence isn't smart enough for that. Uh, we dealing with a robot? So we man- dealing with aliens? Manufactured intelligence. No, it's not aliens. I am so firm on this. If you bring up aliens one more time, I will be leaving I mean, out the window, out the open window. There's I will an open use, window. I will use this stool that I have my feet resting on, throw it through the window, and just run. Visk, vilsk, uh, verum, vin, or verum, kovsk, avsk, ulk, kurshnupitska, vilsum, vlutershkupitska, or. Verm versus. Please come find me. I need help. Please do something. Anyone, do something. I need hit. So that's very interesting. It's in a very abrupt ending, especially for someone who had the time to get the envelope, yes, get the stamp. It's all very strange. Write the address. We, uh, go to the post office, mail it, come back, have a conversation, and then vanish under mysterious circumstances. So clearly, sans postscript, this letter implies that he did plan to leave, but clearly he didn't tell anybody about it, but then he made sure that something would come back to the people he was neglecting to tell and say, please don't confine me because I don't want to be found. Even though he didn't like go to his sister and say like, hey, I'm gonna like go somewhere, I guess forever, because don't come looking for me. But you know, I don't think that's something that anyone's gonna take very well. Like if I walked up to my sister and said, I'm gonna go away and I'm never coming back. Don't look for me. I don't think she would listen to that. She would go, oh, silly Toby. Yeah, and then when I actually disappear, then it would be like, oh, bad. I find it interesting that if we think back to Alicia's voicemail that we listened to before, she starts off like, you need to come like get me a car, anything that can get out here, please help me. And then sort of goes into this like, oh, it'll all be okay. It'll all be fine. So it's like the opposite of it's, it. It's the opposite. It's like postscript. I know that you can plan that out like afterwards, but it's also like you have to know this coding. He wrote this letter and then he disappeared. So he knew something was going to happen. He yes. was already involved in this. Yes. But Alicia also- was not. No, yeah, Alicia was not. Alicia just stumbled upon something and then disappeared. I will mm-hmm. say about Clive and his workplace, he did not decode for the government. He was a construction worker. He was like a hobby code breaker. You know, like there's some oh. people who do that where it's like, and, and like clearly sometimes hobby code breakers do really big things. Like I think it was a hobby code breaker who did the Zodiac Killer more yeah. recently. Yeah. Yes. So it's like some people do go make work of it, but then it was just something that he would have known how to how to write in or how to read in because he knew a lot of these ciphers. And that's not a very difficult cipher. It's, I don't know how common it is, like, but it's one of those, like, preset things. It's not like I made up my own code and did this. It's just, it's the alphabet backwards, and then I also wrote the words backwards. Which is more likely, like, Zodiac Killer don't want that sort of stuff being found out right away. But it's like, this is a recognizable code. Yes. So it's something that he wanted out there. 
even if it took them a while to figure it out. He wasn't trying to hide things from the greater population or from the cops or something. He's trying to hide words from this manufactured intelligence that he mentioned. find that very interesting. Like, it's a manufactured intelligence, which means it's not extraterrestrial intelligence. Like, somebody thought it might be. It might be. Maybe it's robot aliens. It definitely could I be. I sure hope not. I would lose my brains. Aside from aliens, I know we mentioned earlier that Clive wrote in print. Obviously, Sage received the letter, and she was someone who knew him very well, even independently of other things, because, you know, they're busy being twins. Sage claims that most of the letter does not match Clive's handwriting, and even when compared to other handwriting samples, vast majority of the letter is written in almost kind of loopy cursive. Cursive Clive claim along. Yes. Curse of Clive has arrived, but then the cipher-coded message, his postscript, is much closer to his handwriting, which obviously he wanted it to be neat so that it could be decoded because he wanted to know what letter it is, but that's also just how he wrote anyways. The rest of the letter, all the don't come looking for me, I'm fine, is in like more cursive-y stuff. Like not necessarily like, I'm a cursive writer, here's clean cursive, because his hand probably didn't do it very well because he never did it. It's very like loopy. You know how like when you're like rushed on time, your handwriting gets really sloppy? With the cursive, is it sloppy or is it like kind of loopy or in like the print is it rushed or is it like did he take his time if we're gonna talk about taking time I don't write in cursive very well so when I want a cursive word to look really nice I will sit there for like three whole minutes and I will write it very slowly but it's not like that type of I'm super deliberate with every curve of my pen it's like casual cursive but like probably a little bit sloppier than if I handed a piece of paper to my grandmother and said can you write me something in cursive because she always writes in cursive it was very like I guess he's not just practiced. a normal dude but yeah it's just like I'm writing normally and it happens to be in cursive, which is out of character for me. And then the rest of it was print. And if anything, that was probably a little bit sloppier. And the whole thing does seem to be kind of in a rush, but his handwriting was very neat, even when he writes quickly. Maybe a little bit messier than it would have been if he wrote the whole letter in print. I find it interesting how both Clive and Alicia, I already mentioned that part, but it's also like, there's a distinct difference that you can tell when you're looking into this sort of projected side, what's going on... I don't know what's going on. This projected sort of thing where it's like Alicia's entire intonation and cadence like really changed at the end. And it's like, I'm going to be all right. It's all like, it's it's very like casual and kind of like floaty as opposed to being all like the, I'm panicked and I can't find my way home. And then it's suddenly just, I'm fine. Obviously this one goes in the reverse order, but it is that. It feels like Alicia was a victim of circumstance. She stumbled across something that she wasn't supposed to find while Clive with his whole situation. You think that Clive was in on it? No, I'm saying whatever happened to Clive was intentional. Yeah, it does. You're right. It almost feels like something came and sought him out in his house or something. Because he went to work and stuff, but he's spent a lot of his spare time just at home. How did he know that whatever was coming for him could not read code? That's what I'm saying. This probably has to have happened over like long stretch like, periods. Maybe time. his whole story starts even before Alicia went missing at all, yeah. but he mm-hmm. just didn't go missing until after she did. Uh, I have a question and you might not be able to answer it because I don't know how much information you have from the police, but did, was there any reports of Clive acting strange, whether it was from his sister or co-workers, whether it's, you know, like, was he anxious? Was he kind of nervous? Was he, you know, just acting strange? There was, I guess he was either very, very relaxed or very on edge. Clearly when I exist, like currently when I stand here, I don't feel super relaxed, but I'm not like anxious or anything. I just, I am normal. But like from an outside perspective, most people who saw him around the days leading up, so in the beginning of July, wouldn't have said he was just acting how he usually did. 
came to work and he seemed really nervous that something was going to happen. But like when people asked him, it's just like, oh, Clive, what's wrong? He wouldn't answer them. Neighbor James Sheffield said that he was very relaxed in his front yard that morning. Like he just, everything's fine. I'm great. Which it almost feels like he should be on edge if he's planning to, you know, leave his house later. Yeah. Or um, just go somewhere. But I don't... he was... I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term gang stalking, but that's when these individuals who believe that they're being stalked by the government and, you know, they can be really on edge or, you know, they think that the government either in like cars recording them or like people on the streets are like watching everything they move. So like, now I'm not saying gang stalking is like a I, real occurrence because I don't want to get in trouble, but like... That might be what he thought was happening. Yeah. I don't know because I feel like the government would have access to something that could go through this type of code. It's manufactured intelligence. I'm gonna present a hypothetical. Better not be aliens. I'm looking at you right no. in the eyes. If no it's aliens, aliens, I'm going to throw well, I'm myself I'm saying it's window. the government. Government aliens? How about I'm gonna be vague? If you remember the light from Alicia's case, which clearly it showed up in the woods in Dennis, I'm not gonna say that the light comes back later this summer. It does. The light, light coming to you July 2012. Could be here. Could come back now. It's almost been, it's gonna be a 10 year anniversary next year. The light's gonna come back. Oh uh, no. Please don't install any fear in my head. I guess what I'm getting at is that even though there's nothing solid with Clive's case that says, like, he reported seeing a light or it's on recording him seeing the light or something, there's nothing that says it. But personally, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that it never showed up because not to spoil the next two episodes of this podcast, but the light comes back and this is the only case that's really missing it entirely. So this one's kind of an outlier, so it's like, a, oh, well, maybe the light was around, but it was nobody else saw it, or they did and just didn't feel the need to be like, hey, that's odd, where obviously people did end up coming up and saying like, oh, yeah, I saw a light near my house, and I live close to the woods where Alicia disappeared, but only because the light was drawn as something odd, so it's, did you see this? But, I mean, if it's just a random night in July, even after that, people probably aren't going to be like, oh, I saw a light outside my house, and clearly it wasn't just my neighbors with a flashlight. Hypothetical situation. A light shows up in Mr. Clive Augustine's backyard in July, and he, I guess, somehow, like Alicia did where she got all floaty and dreamy, becomes enthralled with it and then writes a letter from this weird hypnotic state, and then he manages to push through it and write a postscript. But then whatever this manufactured intelligence is, which in my hypothetical is connected to the light that is also a hypothetical in my hypothetical. This strange mind state took back over him before he could finish postscript and just said no, send the letter. But again, because this whatever it is, it can't read the script, so it wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, you wrote a cry for help. Like, it just can't read it. And I guess I'm also assuming he must have run a test or something where he wrote out other things and then was like, I don't know what he did. I don't know how he concluded that it can't read the ciphers, but clearly it can't if he managed to get that letter out without, you know, like, you know, ripping it into shreds or something. I know that I've brought up the manufactured intelligence a lot because that really caught my eye. However, I didn't actually, like, recognize it until you're just talking about it. The force that brought me here can't read ciphers. Brought me here. Where is here? Where is here? Who brought him? Clearly he left on a plan. Not necessarily a willing plan, but like a, something has taken over me and given me this plan. He but had more like, agency and yeah. more lay in the events that followed whatever happened when he was brought somewhere else than Alicia was. <gasps> so Guys, I, I got it. What? Cape Cod Mafia. Cape Cod Mafia. Yeah. With like advanced technology. With Mine advanced technology on Cape Cod full of old people and young children. Yeah, who are they? Apparently they're, they're mind-controlling people with life so then they disappear forever. 
whatever. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe, like, Clive did something bad. On this train of thought, if you come back here next episode and you're like, it's all about the weird contaminated water under that old Air Force base on Cape Cod, I will do something. I will feed you to the light. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make sure the light comes back next year just so that I can put you in a field so it comes and finds you. Thanks, guys. Field. One last question. So, you know how when people go missing, like they usually do, you know, their families will make up like big reward. Have you seen this person? It's been 10 years. Do you have any information for Alicia and Clive? Has that happened with their family? Obviously there was at a time closer to 2012. There was yeah. a time when it's like big, like if you know anything about either of these people, please tell somebody. It's like that thing where a lot of cold cases with people in their mid twenties going missing are often like chalked up to like, if they don't find a body, it's very often like, a, oh, they probably just ran away and they, and they wanted to start a new life. So they didn't tell anyone. And like, no matter how many times a parent or a sister or something will say, but that's not like them, they would have told me. For one, it's like, you don't know that. It's just like, it is that thing where, especially because it's like that, a lot of it did end up falling on the families. Now I know a lot of people will make like, oh, here's this Facebook page about this person who went missing. I could not like sit here and tell you this specifically happened, but I know it did happen just like in small quantities, I guess. Yeah. We know the facts, but not the origin. Yes. And even like, as I said, a lot of missing people who are in their mid twenties, just, just like, oh, they just ran away. Like these ones were looked into a little bit more closely because of this circumstance. Like, yeah, because of like all these weird circumstances or this really strange letter or that weird voicemail from last episode. There was just an odd number of disappearances in 2012 and not all of them have like this thing where it's like, okay, Alicia left a voicemail and then Clive sent a letter. It's like not every single person who went missing in the summer of 2012 or just, you know, went away for a long time has like the, oh, and then this weird thing happened. So there very well could have been more than four cases that all have to do with each other, but four of them were very much like, oh, these are more than likely, like I'm almost positive these are all connected. And again, like I said, no spoilers, but this is the only one without a definitive connection to the light, but it's just the manufactured intelligence and everything made it strange enough that it often gets put in with the other three. I think that we should start a red thread board right behind here. Oh, definitely. Here. With ghosts, government, aliens. aliens. Anyways, any last minute questions? No. Thank you for listening to episode two of Last on Communication. If you didn't listen to episode one, why did you listen to them out of order? But anyways, come back soon. I don't know when it'll be out. Come back soon for episode three, where we will talk about the case of Matilda Poinsett, who disappeared in August of 2012. Bye! Bye. You've been listening to Last Known Communication, a production of DY Media One and the Dennis Yarmouth Regional High School Broadcast Technology class. This podcast is created by writer and producer Toby Riley. Voice credit goes to Eleanor Sears, Avery Boltz, and Toby Riley. Last Known Communication is a work of fiction and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Any similarity to persons living, dead, or missing is purely coincidental, so do not investigate them on your own. You may not like what you find.